yeah, I haven't seen many of them, so uh, you're going to have to explain to me who he is. He wakes up, has, has lost his memory, has a load of passports. Yeah. In Germany. He yeah. ends up in the water. Moby's there for some reason. <laughs> and each film uh, takes an hour, exactly. And when you run them all together, it plays out the worst day of James Bond's life. Yeah. And then Jeremy Renner shows up and ruins everything. <laughs> Are you going to bark all day? Just a figment of your imagination. Here's Johnny! You are a sad, strange little man. These guys were that. Don't fail me again. Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Popcorn Bucket Podcast with Ben and Rob. This is a regular look at the wonderful world of films, film franchises and film nonsense. This week is a franchise fatigue episode in which we take a franchise and look at the high points, the low points, and everything in between to sort out the perfect pass of popcorn from the sad, stale bits at the bottom of the bucket. This week, the random popcorn maker of film topics has popped out James Bond, which we will discuss with full spoilers from the outset. Uh, what we thought we'd do this time is we're only going to look at the Daniel Craig Bond films, which is topical, which is un- unusual for the Popcorn Bucket podcast. Mm. Um and it currently consists of five films running from 2006 to 2021. And this will be a two-part podcast. For this part, we're only going to be discussing the first four films without spoiling 2021's No Time to Die. And we'll talk about that in a separate bonus episode later this week. Yeah, exciting. Uh, the, yeah, this first time we've actually kind of done like a cinema report type thing. Uh, we would have done it before, but, you know, COVID. So... Yeah, Daniel Craig Bond, man. I'm I'm glad we got around to this thing. I've mentioned before on the podcast that uh, I'm a bit of a Bond fan, and that's sort of underselling it a little bit. I've been a Bond fan for as long as I can remember. Well, that's one. That is one of the things I associate most with you is that you are a massive Bond fan. That sounds mm. like a joke, but it, it doesn't. I think I've even introduced you to people as this is is, is Ben. He's a massive fan of Bond. Yeah, when I was younger, I kind of tried to have like an encyclopedic knowledge. Of Bond, so you know, I'd get the books and I'd kind of read all the stuff about it, and you know, it was great and all that. And I had the all pajamas. the videos, yeah, the pajamas. I had all the videos, all the DVDs. I've got all the Blu-rays. I, I was going to ask you that, like, how many times do you think you've got like the Bond series? Oh, I've bought it. I've bought it at least four times. I was looking. I've got, I think, in total, I've got five copies of Casino Royale. Oh wow! Because they did a DVD. Then mm. a special edition DVD, Obviously. then then a Blu-ray, then a deluxe edition Blu-ray, and then they did one uh, which was in the big Bond Fifty set. Yep, yep. So, uh, so yeah. I hope, I hope for your sake and your wallet's sake, you never get into four K. Yeah, I'm concerned about that. It's probably or if they start happen. doing steel books. Well, they have done they have done steel books of, okay. of some of them, but uh, no, I, I've I've managed to managed to sort of swerve from that. I've got steel books of the ones that aren't in the Bond fifty set. They even left a space for Skyfall, hmm. so you can yeah. put your, your Skyfall one. But I've got the steel. But this is all fucking boring, mate. This is turgid toss. Oh, sorry, <laughs> I thought it was interesting because I thought we were talking about your interest in Bond. Yeah, I know, but that's what scene. that's why I think it's boring. This is your black and white flashback. Oh yeah, yeah. Daniel Craig Bonds, man. I'm yeah. I'm fucking stoked we're doing this because you know, having seen No Time to Die, it's kind of reminded me how much I like Bond. It's been it's been a while since we had 
Uh, Plus, the longest uh, gap between films, wasn't it? Yeah, and due it's to just, sort of COVID and directors and oh, all sorts, all sorts. So, so I, I tell you what, I think probably the best way of of kind of segueing in to Casino Royale is uh, to share my experience of Dino the Day. Okay, so sort of I, see where we where we were when you. We were... Yeah, well, this is going to be like this is going to be like therapy for me. Because I, I liked the movie when it came out. I can remember you being incredibly excited. I think incredibly excited after you saw it as well, actually. Yeah, I kind of fooled myself into thinking that it was good. Because when uh, you used to use the uh, Empire movie forums, you were Zhao, weren't you? From uh... Yeah. Yeah, that super memorable bad guy. Yeah. That, that's, still, that's still my screen name on a lot of things. Yeah, I just didn't want you to sort of be accused of cultural appropriation. No, I thought you were gonna see. I thought you were gonna say I didn't want you to be fucking doxxed. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I will argue, and I will argue till I'm blue in the face that Dawn of the Day actually has some decent ideas in it. But dear God, as much as I like Pierce Brosnan and Pierce Brosnan, you know, everyone has their Bond, and Pierce Brosnan was mine. Bond was in kind of a mess after yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. It just, it just wasn't. Then the Bourne films came out and rocked the shit, and people were like, "Oh Christ, couldn't you? I I didn't know you could have a spy movie without orbital lasers and invisible cars and shit like that." And yeah, it kind of just just sort of made the Bond series look prehistoric, and so it was decided that they would reboot it and and kind of go with that flavor. Which leads us to 2006's Casino Royale, directed by Martin Campbell, who we've discussed on the podcast before. Uh, he's bloody brilliant. He's rebooted Bond twice. Hmm. To great acclaim both times. Yeah. Well, do we, you know, for format's sake, we need to, you know, Casino Royale, released in 2006, directed by Martin Campbell, written by Neil Purvis, Robert Wade and Paul Haggis, music by David Arnold. Starring Daniel Craig as James Bond, Judy Dench as M, Eva Green as Vesper Lind, Mads Mikkelsen as Le Chief, Jeffrey Wright as Felix Leiter, and Giancarlo Gianni as Rene Mathis. Oh, yes, well, that's, yes, we, we are a slave to the format. The plot from the back of the DVD oh, case, I, 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 Go on. I write physical media and <laughs> I only have one copy, I'm afraid. <laughs> Casino Royale introduces James Bond before he holds his license to kill. No less dangerous. And with two professional assassinations in quick succession, Bond is elevated to double O status. M, Judy Dench, head of the British Secret Service, sends the newly promoted 007 on his first mission to Madagascar, the Bahamas, and eventually to Montenegro to face Le Chief. A ruthless financier attempting to recapture funds in a high-stakes poker game at the Casino Royale. When Bond is placed under the watchful eye of the Treasury official Vesper Lind, his initial scepticism of, of her turns into a deepening interest as Le Chief's cunning and cruelty come to bear on them both in a way Bond could never imagine, and he learns his most important lesson. Trust no one. That's yeah, all right. Yeah. I think you should have lined up all 20 copies you have and just read them out just to see the difference. <laughs> Do you call me a non-Bond fund? I've called you many things. A non-Bond fan is one of the lightest insults I've called you. I know, I know that you, you, okay, you're not, you're not a Bond obsessive like no, I am, no, and I don't fair. mean that in a gatekeeping no, 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 way. No, no, I mean that in no, a kind no, of no, like just no. a matter of fact. Yeah, I like it in the wrong way. Um, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. You, you don't know him like I do. <laughs> yeah. um, I can remember watching like a lot of the classic ones on ITV. They seem, I think, they're showing them again at the moment, but. Um, 
I think I've seen most of the older films. I can't read. Really, I can remember bits of them. I can't distinguish them. I remember Die Another Day being utterly terrible. Mm. Although it did a fencing in that's cool. But yeah, mm. um, that's a that's a damn good scene actually. That's one of the one of the high points of the movie. But I can remember going to see this and being quite excited because um, well, I saw it in the cinema and I can remember trying not to. I think I didn't take a drink into the cinema and then had a coughing fit because it was in the middle of Fresh's flu. Um, and I remember trying to not cough through the entire of the film. Um, wow. I also remember trying to work, or I wasn't, because um, I think that those of us going didn't know much about it and weren't, uh, we weren't sure if it was going to be all in black and white or all set in the 60s because it was kind of a back to basics thing. Mm. But then it was neither. It was neither. It was neither in the 60s nor, well, the beginning bits in black and white. Yeah. So were you impressed? Very impressed, yes. Yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed it. Well, I guess we are skipping ahead here, but uh, Daniel Craig is, you know, my Bond. I think he's uh, fantastic. Yeah, I, I mean, I think he's yeah the best one. Um, I, I'll spoil my opinion too. I think he's the best Bond. I mean, it, they all have different strengths, right? Yeah. And and Sean Connery, you know, he was first. He put his flag in the thing. He, he was he was the definitive one for the longest time. But I think I think Daniel Craig. I mean, the scripts, obviously, and, and direction has helped as well, but they've kind of delved more into Bond as a person rather than sort of an aspiration. And it's kind of, it. he's got a, it, it's a richer performance. It's layered. Yeah. And and I think that he still does all the awesome stuff, but he's also got like a proper, proper character going, which I think is important. Uh, you know, I know that's not exactly going to make the presses, you know, the, the, podcast guy thinks good characters are important in movies but it bond is kind of a, a different different kettle of fish it, it he he does change he's a bit mercurial you know over over the years like he he, he just embodies what's sort of considered suave and sophisticated and all that stuff you know he does yeah. he does obviously have a character but it's it's kind of they play kind of fast and loose with it with craig they they delve more into the thing the fact that he is you know he's he's a heavy drinker and you know to a to a problem kind of thing rather than yeah. just all oh, that bond necking martinis and shit like that it, it is like no he's got a problem so i mean i've got one two um, mind you i write in like capitals i don't do joined up writing i mean i can do it just before people think i'm a complete moron but I just I prefer to take notes in in capital. Uh, so I got four four pages on Casino Royale. So it starts with uh, James Bond getting his double O status. Um, Spoilers. It's a there's a black and white opening, and you've got him talking to or he's cornered someone a man in his in an office, and he's talking about being a double O status and having to have two kills to become a double O. Whilst the conversation is going on, you've got his juxtaposition of his first kill. Um, sort of beating someone to death in a bathroom and it's really brutal and sort of you really feel the, the violence cut between this really calm conversation with you know the, the bad guy in the office and uh, Bond definitely shot first yes yes um, he doesn't even I've heard the second is easy he doesn't even let him finish he just shoots him and says yes considerably yeah yeah that well that that bathroom fight is a is a mission statement, isn't it? That's just yeah. like okay, we're not having having the sort of like standard Hollywood. That this is this is sloppy, nasty. You know, it's untidy. The whole thing is is you know, I mean, broken porcelain and 
drowning him and you know all that and then you get the the origin of the gun barrel yes yes i like that yeah mm. um yeah and and the the, the nice juxtaposition then because he's waiting for him and he's got the gun and well, he's cool and calm and collected there, and in the, yeah. in the bathroom he's brutal, and then yeah, then he's every inch the sort of the really suave spy. Yeah, you got the excellent opening song with the visuals. Oh, um, so good! Chris Cornell's "You Know My Name," which I think is quite different to uh, most of the Bond songs that have come before, and the visuals are great because it's all the sort of the card playing card imagery going throughout it. The sort of title sequences are always some of my favourite bits yeah. because you 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 know you tend to hear the song. For maybe a month or so, usually, <laughs> or a year and a half, or a year and a half in No Time to Die. But like, um, but you tend to hear that, and and I always picture like it's not complete until I've I've seen it with the visuals. Like, how yeah. does it how does it kind of do that? And uh, the Casino Royale one is is brilliant because you know my name is an absolute banger. Yes, yes oh, absolutely. I love it so much. And again, that's a mission statement. I'd say it's probably my favorite, uh, definitely my favorite visuals. For, for the yeah. Craig films, yeah, and it has. I always liked having the actor playing Bond in the actual intro because a lot of them just tend to have like silhouettes and stuff, and it does yeah. have that. But it's very much Craig. Yeah, it's great, and I I like the fact that even even in the intro, when you have the sort of, I mean, is it is it kind of it, the Mad Men style <laughs> kind of figures? I mean, they kind of are. Yeah, um, I suppose it was before Mad Men, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. But it, it just, you know, standard kind of um, silhouette. Yeah, just a point of reference. But it is, yeah, it is quite mad, man. Like that. Still, that Bond gets the shit kicked out of him. He takes he takes punches and kicks, and there's a bit where cards cut across him and everything. Like, yeah, it's about Bond's pain, and you know, yes, emotional, but like physical. Like he gets hurt. He gets seriously hurt, and this is. This is the thing that that sort of sets it apart from everything else, and I love the fact that yeah, the visuals are so good, the song is so good. The uh, guy who did the title sequence is, is a graphic designer named Daniel Kleinman, and he is very very talented. And I think he worked on all the Brosnan ones as well. Okay, and you he, you can always tell a Daniel Kleinman kind of thing because uh, it has some properly striking imagery and and sort of clever ways of doing things. And um, and yeah, the uh, I, I love cards kind of breaking down and people being made of them and the sort of diamonds actually cutting people and that being like like it's all the, the guns shooting the sort of the plume of smoke. There's the club symbol. Oh, so good. The so good. Uh, the roulette wheel is uh, sights on a gun. It's, it's, mm. Yeah, it's so clever. It is, and so you know that that was. I remember seeing that and I was just like, holy crap, this is like, this is Bond, but not as we know it. And that's exactly what they were going for. So then it opens in Madagascar, I think. Is it Mad Well, only going off the description. Um, and you've got a chase through a construction site with a load of parkour. And that's great, that opening chase is sort of a breakneck speed. Mm. Well, it, it, Bond, I also I mean, like the phone pucker and the bag strap. That was very, uh, sort of took you back to, you know, your school bag. <laughs> yeah, well, I must admit, I mean, even though I remember it being, you know, I remember seeing it in the cinema and everything, uh, the sort of weird GPS and stuff he has on the phone and, and everything, I'm just like, oh, that's that's really quaint. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the opening sequence, the actual, like, opening chase thing is fantastic. So, so good. And and it gives you it gives you the whole thing of, like, 
Bond being a blunt instrument. Yes, yeah, so you got the bit where where the guy is um, sort of doing all this parkour and jumping over things. And he just um, Bond just crashes through a wall. Yeah, he's a he's a tank. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's no accident that the first thing he goes for is a a bulldozer. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like that's that's his attitude, and yeah, uh, and sort of yeah, breaking the air, the air brake to shoot down on the lift and stuff. Yeah. The catch yeah, and he, throw of the gun at the top of the crane. It's, yeah. Well, it's funny great. enough, actually, that that little bit, I remember uh, I was going to see Casino Royale that evening, and, and because I was, I'm not at all tragic, and I was on a bond site. And, um, You're on a bond site? Yeah, I was on a bomb site. Yeah, that's oh, right. Oh, sorry. Website, but a, a website a, about James Bond. A James Bond, bond right. website. I believe oh. it was the official one because yeah. they, they had a clip from they were like oh in this brand new release clip from casino rail and it was that bit where uh where the parkour man like molaka i think is his character name sebastian foucault yeah he goes to fire the gun it's empty he throws it at bond bond catches it and and fucking chucks it back at him in in such a cool way and i remember there was just that little bit and i was like this is awesome this is brutal this is exactly what i want you know this isn't the sort of over choreographed kind of fight sequence the standard kind of shootout this is something new and exciting and and the sequence is an all-timer and yeah and and the fact that it's bond being well again like a tank and just rolling through into an an embassy yes yeah shooting at the place and and causing an international incident yeah and that was that was a smart thing as well when they rebooted the thing. Keeping Judy Dench as M was crazy smart. Yeah, because she's brilliant. Their their sort of back and forth throughout 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 the films is great. Their sort of love hate relationship. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I give him double O status and he celebrates when he shoots a couple of embassy. And Christ, I miss the Cold War. <laughs> I love that bit. <laughs> At least he'd have the good sense to defect. <laughs> Yeah, no one, no one does like pissed off mother like uh, yeah. Dame Judy. It's it's such an impressive debut for Craig as Bond. They kind of nailed down all the things that they were going to do. It, it's it's a confident step. It's just like right, okay, we're leaving the past where it is. This is our new direction. This is what we're doing. We've got just the Bond for it, and and yeah, it's a confident stride. And the whole cast is brilliant. Well, it shows that his actions have consequences because when he um, sleeps with the first lady and then she dies, and you know he is blamed for it, and Judy M tells him it's it's his fault. Mm. Yeah, that's that's particularly nasty, actually. What I really find cool about this movie is that they nailed Bond out of the gate. They've got Vesper Lind, who is fantastic. She's amazing. Yeah, yeah, and Eva their chemistry. Green. Their chemistry's off the scale. Um, yeah, Eva Green is... Uh, you can sort of see why she's like the prototype Bond woman, you know? Like why Bond will be kind of constantly chasing that sort of high uh, mm. in terms of the thing, because... I mean, shit, I was in love with Vespa by the end of it. Yeah. Um, she's smart, uh, sarcastic, you know, a definite, a, an intellectual equal... For Bond, yeah. yeah, yeah, you know she's got answers. She's glamorous. She's everything, and she's strong. And and but you know has weaknesses and everything. It, it's it's a properly three dimensional performance, 
and and yeah, Eva Green sells the crap out of it. She is amazing. And yeah, it it totally works. And so you've got that, you've got uh you've got Vesper, so you've got Bond, Vesper, and then you've got a great bad guy. Yeah. You've got Le Chief. In Mads Mickelson, yeah. Yeah, he's he's a complicated guy. I find the sort of card game as interesting as some of the action outside of it. You know? Yes, yeah. Because it's it's about it's about sizing other people up. And Bond's ego is the problem. Well, they go back to the uh, the card game quite a few times, and they, they always manage to have like quite you know, tense moments, like where they where you think he's got a tail and has he got a tail or not? Mm. You know, is he is he playing it? And then you have got the final card scene, uh, card game. It, yeah. yeah, yeah. For it, a sort of, for, for sort of a, a massive blockbuster to kind of basically have I don't know I don't know how long it is, but there's a, a lot of times given over sort of people sat under table dealing cards. And it still feels as tense as any kind of big action scene in a film. Yeah, you feel it. But yeah, I love the fact that, you know, between the games, all the dramatic, nasty stuff happens. I love how many clean shirts Bond has. I love the fact that he just patches himself up and keeps going. And and that's definitely the Bourne influence right there. That's kind of like keep moving. Just, you know, patch yourself up, kind of go through, bandage what you can, you know, keep up appearances. It's great. And you know the, the the staircase sequence. That's brutal. That fight. Yeah, it is, and and it's so so good, and and Vespa sort of being scarred by that as you would be. I mean, Jesus, it it's all good. I, I just I'm struggling, even though I made tons of notes, I'm struggling to actually like explain quite why Casino Royale works because it all works. It all works. Well, I think you've got like everything. Um... Like you're saying, it sort of like lays out Bond, and then I guess keeps hammering home, like what this version of Bond is—that he is, you know, brutal and calm. He is cruel yet caring. Because you got that brutal stairwell fight, and then immediately after, you have got this really tender shower scene where he's um, trying to comfort Vesper. Yeah, yeah, and she's she's in shock. And this isn't particularly a, well. It's not a gadget-heavy film at all. Um, sort of trying to take it back to more realism, I guess. I mean, the only gadgety things are the sort of medical kit in his car so mm. which comes into play when there's he gets poisoned by the chief because he thinks he can't beat him at poker yeah and i like the fact again kind of like born he grabs some salt and a and a tumbler from the table yeah a lot of casino royale takes place in bathrooms i noted it does but I'm i sure. love the, the the um when he well when they're trying to contact or he's in contact with M and the rest of MI6 and they're sort of trying to get him to shock himself and he it, the wire's broken and he can't do it and then Vesper finds him and shocks him and brings him back and the first thing he says is are you okay? <laughs> yeah. But then it's got one of the all time I think great Bond one line is when he sits back at the table and goes that last hand almost killed me. Yeah, I like that. I, I do like that very much. It Yeah, it, again, it, there, are, there are some really good one liners. I mean, the one is taken from the book is do I look like a give a damn when he's asked? There's uh, loads made of that at the time, I remember. Yeah. The, the, you know, this was a more serious bond that it wasn't quite as serious yeah. as the other ones. Well, it isn't, but that's the thing. I think that's one of the great things about Casino Royale is the fact that it takes that sort of... I mean, the two the two influences were Batman Begins and and the Bourne movies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and it takes those... Said. Shut up, I'm talking Sorry. about Bond. <laughs> The, the fact that you you clam up like that when I do that it really makes me feel bad. It's just like Jesus, have I really got to him now? Where he's just 
it just it kind of whimpers and cowers. Okay, so Paul Haggis. Say it really makes me feel powerful. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not going to lie; it does a bit, but I don't like it. So Paul Haggis. He said he wanted to do for Bond what Batman Begins did for Batman, mm. which is what you just said, pretty much. But I was just confirming it with yes. evidence. So yeah, it's it's cool. It's very very cool. The whole thing that Bond isn't just super competent at everything. I like the fact that he is still making mistakes. Like he makes he mistakes, tr- he trusts people, or he doesn't trust people. He should and stuff. Yeah, exactly. And you know, he doesn't quite tail people correctly he doesn't you know he keeps getting spotted yeah it's it's interesting to watch him kind of actually be flawed instead of just super competent and make it up as it as he goes along and it all turning out fine the kind of jack sparrow-esque kind of deal uh so you got a great car chase which is in the guinness book of world records yeah, that because it's the most barrel rolls from a car fired with uh, air cannon. Yeah, that that is a ridiculously brutal crash. Seven complete rolls. Yeah, th- that would hurt. <laughs> <laughs> it would it would hurt. Other things that hurt is it has quite a horrible torture scene with the rope in the chair. What are you talking about? Um, That's sexy the, as hell, man. You have misread f- the whole situation. Sorry. I said it's sexy as hell, man. You've it's misread it's the whole. Sketchy as hell. No, no, no. It's sexy. You got you got Mads Mikkelsen, Daniel Craig. They get sweaty in a bunker, and they've got some kind of cock and ball torture going on. It's you just don't kink shame the movie, Rob. But I remember watching watching the cinema, and there being a very strange noise of all the men sort of going ah, and all the women laughing. I, it still gives me sympathy pains now. I, I, was, I, I was thinking I about that, even though you know it's coming. But even the sort of the swing, and when he sort of swings towards, but doesn't actually do anything, sort of you you still tense up. Yeah, I love the fact that he goads him as well. Yes. Um, and then when Mads gets properly pissed off, that sort of hefty swing, the. Oh God! Just it hurts just thinking about it. It's it's a really, really visceral scene. Uh, yeah, when when you when you realise what he's actually going to do, because like I was like, why are they cutting the seat out? Because they did have they did have a, a torch sequence in the book, but I was like, they're not going to do this, are they? The first time I was watching it, and and they absolutely did. <laughs> and yeah, it's brilliant. I couldn't imagine Brosnan selling that as well. Hmm. Yeah, and and that's not that's not a knock on Brosnan. I love Brosnan. I love the Bros Bond, but you know, and he does get tortured in Done of the Day at the beginning, and then everyone else gets tortured by watching it. Um, but just I've just remembered my point, so I'll cut out this twenty minutes or whatever that we've been chatting. <laughs> my my point was with Batman and Bourne and things like that. It has that flavor to it. It really does. You can tell there were influences, but it sort of has its cake and eats it too because it has the big Bond sequences as well. They, they've they got the big Bond kind of spectacle, but with this sort of grittiness of, of kind of modern spy stuff, which completely works. It's got its own identity. Don't say born identity, or I will actually punch you. Because oh, actually, because what I quite like about this uh, about Casino Royale is there's a lot of plot points that watching it you don't think are resolved, but the kind of it is, it's just not spoon fed to you. So like so, why why they didn't shoot Bond and the whole your friend Mathis is really my friend Mathis. Yeah. Um, which which is a that bit is a you know a, a good twist, and then it kind of is resolved later. 
Oh, I like uh, Daniel Craig's weird look after the money guys laugh about chocolate from Belgium. <laughs> yeah, he sort of looks to the side. It's almost like he breaks the fourth wall. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, they go to Venice, and then you find that, twist, um, Vespers betrayed him. Yes. And then you've got one sort of final action piece in which Venice is sinking, which it actually is, because people keep shooting at buildings. Yeah. And then Spider-Man uh, wrecked it as well. Oh, he did, yeah. You've got Vesper in the lift, and every time you watch, you think he's got to get there in time, he's going to get there in time, but he doesn't. Yeah. No, he doesn't. That actual building, that's a very impressive set. Is it? You didn't know. Yeah, well, it was a whole building. It's bit, built on a, like a gimbal thing, so they could sink okay. it and raise it at will. Okay. I just know that because I watched the extras on the thing. Oh, to fair on the On the deluxe edition, the fourth time I bought the movie. Uh, so, <laughs> did, um, did Vesper send the For James text at the end where he sort of gives him Mr. White's contact details? Yes. Right, okay. She left it on her phone. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. But even then, like you, you know, he's he's learned not to trust, and he sort of still doesn't trust Mathis, even though Vesper possibly was the the sort of the the uh, the mole, um, and he's like quite callous when he's talking to Em about that she's dead now. Yeah, the job is done. The bitch is dead. Hmm. So yeah, the job is done. The bitch is dead. Is is in uh, the book, and in the book that there, there aren't too many layers to that. That is exactly what he means. In this it's kind of almost it's an aspiration he wants to not feel that he wants to be like that yes yeah but clearly clearly vesper has left a huge huge impact on him and that's what that's what kind of m says m knows that that's bullshit yeah uh so it it's again it's cool that that they afford him these kind of character beats you know it it it's kind of just you want to go Bond, come on, man. Like, she wasn't a bitch. She loved you. Yeah. So, so yeah, it, it, no, the whole, the whole thing is fantastic. And I, I love, 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 love the end sequence with Mr. White. Yes. And you have, I can do it now without it being a problem. You really do have the, you know, the, yeah, the, names, <laughs> the names Bond and the doo doo. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they, they'd held off, they'd held off on the theme tune throughout the film until the end, hadn't they? Yeah, well, most of the score was was based around you know my name. Well, the other Bond films like that, I have I've wondered the sort of the pre Craig ones because all the Craig uh, Daniel Craig ones have the, the scores been based around the main theme, haven't they? Uh, yeah, mostly. Then they tend to try and at least vibe with it, if not yeah. take things directly from the title song. But yeah, what a movie! Just I I think it is genuinely a masterpiece. Yeah, yeah, I think it's fantastic. So, uh, have you got any sort of other bits you want to say about it? I've got a few trivia bits. Um, I just I just ended the whole thing by saying, put simply, this is the Bond film that made me feel like it was cool to like Bond again. I think after Die Another Day, I I, I still kind of like Die Another Day, but it's one of those things where it, there are so many caveats and kind of like Die Another Day is a sort of a a joke answer to loads of things, like a, isn't it? Yeah. Like a quite quite an off, like a sort of quite an easy punching bag. Yeah, yeah. And and while I would, at some point, like to discuss the few and far between, admittedly, but merits of that movie. Uh, well, we'll do. We'll treat the other Bonds like this, and that we'll sort of pick a Bond and talk about them in a franchise. Yeah, I look forward to the Lazenby episode. Yeah, it'd be nice, <laughs> <laughs> nice and easy. Um, yeah, 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 definitely. But uh, yeah, it, this was like Bond felt relevant again. And I think that was that was the cool thing about it, like taking it back to basics, kind of it 
it getting rid of the gadgets it, it's interesting when you look at the bond series as a whole that a lot of the a lot of the kind of time you can see that the sequel is an overreaction to the the perceived problems of the preceding yeah. movie yeah like, so moonraker was deemed way too ridiculous and moonraker not only has bond going into space but it also has the hover gondola and the double taking pigeon it's yes yeah it's a tough watch um but then just like after and because that was you know star wars was big at the time etc mm. etc so they're just like shit we got one where space stuff so let's do that and then for your eyes only comes on which takes everything back to basics so you you tend to have that so it, it you know the 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 status quo will always be resolved <laughs> it will always be kind of it will always come back to that sort of like line through and uh casino rail was was the much much needed reset holy crap so yeah go on hit me with the trivia uh Quentin Tarantino wanted to direct an adaptation of Casino Royale and set it in the 60s with Pierce Brosnan starring as Bond. Um, yeah. Henry I mean, Cavill was in serious contention, but was too young at 22. Oh, sorry, to be Bond. Yeah, that's well, that's happened before. Pierce Brosnan, I think, auditioned for Bond around Timothy Dalton's time, and he was considered. Yes, I think young. I've heard that, yeah. He was announced, so, wasn't he? Or, the what now? I thought he was announced as Bond. And, or no, Tim, no, sorry, ignore that. That's nonsense. <laughs> um, so Do-do. I, um, I would be fine with Henry Cavill being Bond, but I think yeah, he was too young. I mean, have you? They they have a screenshot of his of his casting uh, kind of uh, thing, and uh, my, he's so baby faced. He wouldn't have worked. He well, the, with with story in their face like Daniel Craig. There's the website craigsnotbond.com and Daily Mirror did a front page after he was announced with the names Bland, James Bland, but he was the first Bond to be nominated for a BAFTA. Yeah. And another piece of casting. Uh, I think Vesper, uh, Eva Green as Vesper was fantastic. And I think chemistry between her and Daniel Craig is, you know, it's up there with um, Elena and Zorro in Zorro and mm. the people in Stardust. Um, until I found out that Audrey Tatao was considered for Vesper, but they thought because of the Da Vinci Code, she, could, she couldn't be in it. It, it, oh, is that you choking on your own rage? I can hear. No, I just I, I like audio. I know, I know you do. Jesus, Amelie is like your absolute jam. So yep. yeah, she would have been good. <sighs> I'm cutting all that out. So you press me. You put years on me, dude. You just um, I I don't think she would have. She would have been great. But I don't think she would have had that sort of aura that Eva Green has. Hmm. I mean, yeah. I mean, whatever, dude. I mean, you know, I know that you've carved her name into your arm with a with a compass. So I know that it's no, it would have been serious. a crumbly spoon. Okay, right. I haven't seen Amelie for a long, long time, so I imagine that's probably a reference that I don't get. So now I look dumb because I'm like, yeah, Bond. I like the shooty man, and you're just like, oh, this French film is really charming and it's fucking whatever. 
So this was followed up in 2008 <laughs> by, by Quantum of Solace, directed by Mark Forster, written by Paul Haggis, Neil Purvis, and Robert Wade again, music by David Arnold, starring Olga Kurylenko, Matthew Almerich, and Gemma Arterton. Mm. The plot from oh, the back actually, of the DVD. Actually, ooh, sorry ooh, to interrupt ooh. the hooray for physical media part, mm-hmm. but we didn't mention Jeffrey Felix. Wright. I know. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Holy crap. Now, I've always liked Felix Leiter. I always liked the fact that he was like Bond's one ally. Yes. <laughs> so they 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 normally outside of outside of MI6, they normally end up betraying him. Uh Felix Leiter is a, is a nice constant. Uh but Jeffrey Wright, holy crap, what he does so much with such limited screen time. It's good cuz uh, cuz you know Daniel Craig is quite cool and calm as uh, as James Bond, but then Felix is so much cooler. <laughs> he is. He is practically horizontally so cool <laughs> laid back. I well, I love. I, well, I love that the Bond is 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 losing it. And he grabs that knife and he's just like. I mean, I don't know what his plan was other than I'm going to stab the fuck out of the sheaf. Yeah. But like you know, it it it, it wasn't a well thought out plan. No. And uh, and Felix stops him and says, you know, if you keep going, I think you have him. And then yeah, does it look like we need the money? Oh. <laughs> Oh, what a cool line. Uh, yeah, so Jeffrey Wright as Felix, my favourite Felix Leiter. He is fantastic. Anyway, get back to Quantum of Solace. I just wanted to say that because I remembered that he's in Quantum of Solace as well. I don't know if you want to edit that round then to sort of put it back into the conversation. I could do. I'm, we're currently talking about Casino Royale. There we go. That's covered all. <laughs> Dude. And now we're talking about Quantum Solace. Seamless. Seamless. It will, it will fit right in. That's such an easy edit job. Oh, my God. So from the back of the DVD, hooray for physical media. Yes. On a non-stop quest for justice that crisscrosses the globe, Bond meets the beautiful but feisty Camille, Olga Kurylenko, who leads him to Dominic Green, Matthew Almerich, a ruthless biz- businessman and a major force within, within the mysterious quantum organization. When Bond uncovers a conspiracy to take control of one of the world's most important natural resources, he must navigate a minefield of treachery, deception and murder to neutralize quantum before it's too late. Mm. Mm. So this was written during the writer's strike. Well, apparently it was decided beforehand it was going to be a direct sequel, but Daniel Craig has said since that the writer strike made the, made it much more of a direct sequel. Yeah, because it does it does pick off pick up right at the end of, of Casino Royale. Well, yeah, just after he sh- shot Mister White and drives off with him in the car. Yeah. Um, so I so, would say the the opening scene. Yeah. Um, I appreciate as a camera star quickly zooming over a water to an island. And that's one of the nicest things I've got to say about this film. Uh, uh, As a yeah. shot, I just quite like a quick zoom over water. Yeah. Um, the opening car chase is awful. Yes. Yes, it is. You can't really tell what's going on. And yeah, it's... Just... Well, it's edited with an inch of its life. Like, yeah. you've got, it's it's the born camera type stuff, but yeah. to the nth degree, it, it makes me feel sick. It, it's just, it's too much. And I I love a good car chase, and the stuff that I think Bond is doing in the car seems cool, with the sort of getting the door impaled and then spinning around to rip the door off so he's not stuck on the side of the truck anymore. Mm. And he uses the gun that he had at the end of Casino Royale. Yeah, it was meant to be 10 minutes later, isn't it? Yeah, so he uses that to, to kind of shoot one of the things, but it's, oh, it's such a bad sequence. 
and and then ending on the oh mr white was in the trunk the entire time great yeah and it's time to get out i mean that a hell of a line to go into the fucking title sequence i like the theme song the jack keys although it does always remind me of coke zero yes yeah I I do as well. It because uh, I was doing I was doing a bit of research on on uh, the song, and apparently it's kind of meant to be. It's intentionally off kilter. There are certain things. So when it does the sort of Bond type music, like on the piano, it sounds like it's almost out of key, but it isn't. And okay. it's the same with the sort of the whoa that bit. There's a bit where it does sound like they're just singing off key, but mm. they're not, and and it's 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 meant to be like a bit of a, a prickly song, which I think works. I, I've listened to it in isolation a few times. I I like it. I like Jack White anyway. Yeah. Um. And Alicia Keys can definitely sing. I mean, I can't say that I'm a fan, but not through any fault of hers. Just I haven't listened to her music much. Um, yeah, I, I, so, I like it. Hmm. But. The title sequence sucks. Oh God, yeah. Sand and they need Tuscan Raiders in there. They do. <laughs> I told you it would have made a better opening sequence is either of the Adam and Joe songs they did about Quantum of Solace. Yes, yes. I, I like both of them. Adam's one has grown on me more. I'd like a Quantum of Solace, but no more than a Quantum. I know they do big bags of Solace, but I don't but want I don't them. Want them. <laughs> Yes, if you haven't heard, Adam and Joe did, on their radio show, they did a Song Wars thing for Quantum of Solace to make a new Bond theme. And both of them on YouTube, and both of them are very, very funny. Yeah, something of I, Boris. Yes, I really want to talk about the title sequence a little bit, because Daniel Kleinman did not do this one. It was a studio, I think, called MK12, or something like that. And yeah, it is just pure hokum. Yeah, as as you said, kind of just women in the sand. Oh, dunes look a bit like a woman's body. I mean, stop the fucking presses. That's never been sort of. I, I just it. I like I like the image of the sort of gun firing in the sand and sort of the air dispelling the sand, and that looks cool. Hmm. But and I say this with the best will in the world because I'm sure people worked very very hard on it. It looks like a student's film project. Someone made a title sequence for, for a yeah, for their their coursework. That's what it looks like to me. It's really bad, and it just feels off. And that's the thing when you have the headache-inducing car chase, and it's meant to be disorientating, but not so much that you can't tell what the living fuck is going on. Yeah, it's it's like a bad Transformers fight. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, and then you've got then you've got the song which by itself is fine but married with the visuals it just sort of highlights the worst parts of the song as well and it's it's so bad and it the, the that whole i remember feeling so deflated just that opening bit i was like oh no something terrible has happened um and i was right something was terrible did happen and it was mark forster and his editor just yeah, and while I'm talking about visuals, uh, the the sort of location captions, they tried to get a little bit fancy with those. 
Uh, they have London written on the street, the raining when the car goes over it. They have, you know, yeah. all these kind of things. Uh, they suck too. It's just, <laughs> it's not, it's not that sort of movie. And just, it, it's drawing attention to itself in the worst way. It's, it's really, it's someone who thinks that that's sort of adding to the sort of flavor of the whole thing. And it really isn't. Uh, yeah, there are so many things off about this movie. Well, I mean, so the main plot is that there's a secret organization called Quantum because they didn't have the rights to the Spectre organization mm. um, with who've got people everywhere. <laughs> that's and not a plot there's, point there's, in the movie. That's that's a that's a, a point in, in the in, real In real life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that um, wasn't like, we couldn't get the rights to Spectre. We're going to be Quantum now. There, there's no... Yeah, but they, I mean that that was kind of reported at the time was that they yeah they didn't have the rights to Spectre, um, yeah. So the organization's gone to Quantum, and that was basically the Daniel Craig version of or you know, Daniel Craig Bond version of Spectre. It would be this criminal organization that was everywhere, and so it's meant to show you that they're everywhere. It's some random guy standing next to him, and that's appallingly shot because who is he? He's just a bloke next to him. That's that's Mitchell. Can't believe you don't know him in his two minutes of screen time. Because I wondered if it was supposed to be um, the guy from uh, from Casino Royale. Uh, Tanner? No, Tanner's not in Casino Royale. Um, it's the guy who played Prince Philip in The Crown. I don't watch The Crown. Neither do I, but Tobias Menzies. <laughs> Brilliant yeah, Tobias Menzies is in, um, is oh, in Casino Royale. yes. Yes, he um, is. I thought it was meant to be him, but because he isn't, in, you know, he isn't in any film past Casino Royale. Mm. But yeah, no, it's just a random bloke. Yeah, and that yeah, it's appallingly shot. You can't really tell what's going on and who's doing what. No, no, it 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 is frustrating because it's got it's got the elements there. It's got the the sort of globe trotting stuff. It's got the sort of amazing backdrops. I mean that that sort of horse race thing that they have. It that looks amazing. But they're running over the rooftops doing some bullshit. You know, it it just oh this movie. You got it's, a quantum meeting at opera, which felt quite similar to what to uh, Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. It did a bit, but I tell you what, I will stick up for that sequence. I love that sequence. Okay. I think I think the whole um the stage is amazing for Tosca. Uh and I like yeah, it does. It does feel a little bit Rogue Nation, but I like the fact that they're all kind of there. They've got this kind of secretive thing. I like Bond being at the top of the thing and and saying you should find a better place to meet. And I also like the gunfight that is set to the opera that happens. Yeah, that's good. That's a good bit. I like that bit. Uh, but yeah, I don't. <laughs> I don't. I don't really have too much to say. I will say. Camille Og uh, Kurilenko, mm -hmm. she is awesome. She just her character is completely buried. Yeah, uh, but there there is a there is an interesting uh, YouTube video that I want to pimp. Uh, it's by Andrew Ellard, and he's a script editor. He's done a lot of stuff for the BBC and everything. He did uh, tweet notes where he he just goes through a movie and kind of talks about the story beats and successes and, and failures and things like that. And he's always stuck up for Quantum of Solace. And he did a video 
and it's called The Surprising Quality of Quantum of Solace. And it really is worth watching because it dials in on things that you may really not have noticed. And, you know, he points out the film's flaws as well. And clearly it's a very, very flawed film. But one of the points that I really liked that he made was that a lot of people sort of misidentify this movie as just Bond on a, on a revenge tear. Like he's just on a roaring rampage of revenge. And he's not. He isn't. It, it appears that he is because he seems to just keep killing everyone he comes across. But the actual person who's on the revenge kick is Camille. And Camille is like the sort of dark mirror to Bond in the fact that she that's what happens when you let personal revenge take over from duty. Because he even says to her in the plane, you're you were Bolivian Secret Service. So her her personal thing with General Madrano has completely taken over. And she's like a cautionary tale almost. Hmm. So and you know, there are there are many, many other things that are kind of there. Dominic Green, um, as like a bad guy, he he doesn't make too much of an impression. He's just he's just a bit bland. No, he's the only uh, Craig villain to not have a facial disfigurement. Yes. Well, I was going to talk about that, actually, because I don't know if you noticed the news story recently. There's a charity called Changing Faces, which sort of flagged this up. They kind of deal with people who have been sort of physically disfigured or whatever like it just to sort of change the stigma about mm. that whole thing and it has to be said i mean bond the bond series helped codify that and the craig movies have definitely sort of leaned into that yeah as a thing it it just means scar scar or or kind of whatever equals bad which you know is is a it's a little bit trite isn't it I mean, we should be moving past that, but uh, but yeah, yeah. Dominic Green, I I like the sort of misdirect. You think it's about oil, but it's actually about water. Yep, that that's kind of cool. Well, uh, it's like, kind of a you know the, uh, the real villain was man all along. Yeah, of. well, yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, it's it's just it's just a bit of a kind of well, it's just hugely frustrating. I, I, there, as I said, there are bits I like. I like the Camille stuff. I like when he's telling her about shooting, and he says about the training and everything. And and you know your 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 instinct will tell you to sort of pull, but you need to listen to your training, um, and whatever, because he's helping her get to General Madrano to kill him. And yeah, it it's just. It's sort of. It's still got the tone of Casino Royale. It's still got the sort of. Fight, but it's just nowhere near as interesting or as fun or as confident. Just all these interesting sort of story points get buried. And and I think it, it has a kind of nasty return to, to the series flaws with Gemma Arterton's character, Fields. Yes. I mean, I, I do appreciate that, that, is a, that there's a joke payoff for her name. Uh, which isn't revealed to the very end of the credits. Yes, I think. <laughs> yes. yeah, that's a, such a weird way to structure a yeah. joke. But you know, it may give you a huh? again, like with Solange in um, in the first movie, that women are collateral damage. They they do end up normally paying the ultimate price, and it's a neat little reference to Goldfinger as well. 
yeah, uh, her her being drowned in oil. But it's I'm just, not sure. I'm not sure it was neat because th- they sort of really publicised that at the time that we've done this because you know oil is now more valuable than gold was back then. And... Yeah, but I mean the the sort of the bonds kind of hype machine. I I tend to try and disconnect from that. Uh, I don't succeed ever. But I with with that sort of thing, you know, they always use the tagline "Bonders back." For everything and they always say the woman is a bond equal and and there'll be some publicity about how this is a reference to the old movies because they need to get yeah. the people who 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 like their bond a certain way they need to get them in so they always talk about how you know the sort of the deference that they're showing the series and and the uh yeah it, it just yeah yeah they did publicize it. i remember now but yeah i mean Gemma arterton is lovely and and I think she deserved had, more. I think she definitely deserved more. She she had a, there was some interest there uh, in terms of they could have made her a more interesting character, but uh, alas, they did not. Mathis, Mathis, yes, yes, your friend Mathis, my friend Mathis. I don't, I don't get it. Oh, well, no, I don't get it. I do kind of wonder if maybe they should have left him in Casino Royale because it kind of worked as a twist that he was actually working for Le Chief. And then at the end, they kind of hint that he might not be. But then it's like, oh, he is, maybe he isn't. He's, he, I, I just kind of think it's just, he should just left him alone. It feels like a bit of a waste. I mean, he does have a sad end, but I just think it kind of spoils the Casino Royale bit by bringing him back. Quite possibly. I mean, I'd I'd liked seeing Mathis again. I mean, it's it's pretty clear that he he was innocent because they bought him a villa. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so he was cleared of the things. So he was he was like a triple agent, and and I like the fact that they both understand the sort of ridiculousness of the situation. The fact that he goes to Mathis because he's the only one he can trust. It is interesting that that Bond has no ground to go to. So he goes to Mathis because that's the only person you can think of. Uh, and I like seeing that it's a, it is a hell of a charming performance. Yeah. And, and I do, I do quite like his girlfriend's wife, whatever. I liked some of the interplay between them. And yeah, his, his death is, uh, is is definitely sad uh, but i like the fact that he's always team vesper he's like you, you got to forgive her you must forgive her it, well he just he just saw that it, she did it for like she died for him he says that i was going to say and then the film ends with him having moved on by sort of finding vesper's ex and sparing him yeah that's that's a really good sequence that that, that, you, that you, i actually find that affecting he rescues Beckett from Castle. Uh, yeah, well, the, the yeah the the fact that he breaks the cycle, he 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 kind of ensures that what happened to Vesper will never happen again, and I think the image of the Algerian love knot in the snow is very nice. It is frustrating because there are there are these moments, and and it's a bit of a chore to watch because it's it's too long. The story is just too piecemeal. It's all over the place. Um, the final set piece is sort of pretty much something or nothing. A building sort of sets on fire and that's it. Yeah, from from a car crashing into some fuel cells. I can remember seeing at the time thinking, was that it? Like, have you know, not that it's it's on reels, but it's almost like sort of the final reel of cinema of the film was missed off. Mm. It sort of doesn't really do much. 
I do like Dominic Green's sort of frenzied attack at Bond and the sort of weird battle cries he gives. It's uh, it's cool. And if in case you didn't get that, it was like, a startled uh, cat. Yeah. Well, it is kind of. And that shot of the axe going into his foot makes me wince. Mm, yes. And and I think his his demise is dark as hell. Bond driving him out to the desert. Yes, and they say, uh, leaving with a can of engine oil. And then later on, De- uh, M says, we found him with engine oil in his stomach. Do you know anything about that? Yeah, yeah. It's grim. Shall but, we move on? Yeah, no, I was, just, I was just looking to see if that was all my quantum stuff. But it's uh, it was. It's, it's just not fun to talk about, quantum solace. No. I get what they were going for. But, um... It's nice that it's a continuation. It is. And it's yeah. nice that sort of Vespa looms over it. Well, she looms over all of them. Yes, I know, I know. You know, um, but let's let's talk about Skyfall. So, released in 2012, the same year as the London Olympics, in which Daniel Craig jumped out of a plane with the Queen. Mm. Um, directed by Sam Mendes, written by Neil Purvis, Robert Wade and John Logan, music by Thomas Newman, starring, in addition to Bond and M, uh, Javier Bardem as Ra- Raoul Silva, Ben Wisher as Q, Naomi Harris as Penny, and Ralph Fiennes as Mallory. Yeah. The plot from the back of the DVD. Daniel Craig is back as James Bond 007 in Skyfall, the 23rd installment of the longest running film franchise in history. In Skyfall, Bond's loyalty to M, Judy Dench, is tested as her past returns to haunt her. 007 must track down and destroy the threat, no matter how personal the cost. When Bond's latest assignment goes gravely wrong and agents around the world are exposed, MI6 is attacked, forcing M to relocate the agency. These events cause their authority and position to be challenged by Mallory, Ralph Fiennes, the new chairman of the Intelligence and, and Security Committee. With MI6 now compromised from both the inside and out, M is left with one ally she can trust, Bond. 007 takes to the shadows, aided earlier by F- field agent Eve, Naomi Harris, following a trail to the mysterious silver, Javier Bardem, whose lethal and hidden motives have yet to reveal themselves. Yeah. I mean, I fucking love this movie. Okay, so that was then followed in uh, 2015 by Spectre. <laughs> yeah. Um, Skyfall is kind of just... It's the sequel that Casino Royale should have had in the way that it sort of ups the stakes in a, in a lot of ways. From the first like frame, this film is gorgeous. This film does start with him appearing to frame... With doo doo, yeah, and it was. But it's Roger nice. Deakins. It's Roger Deakins, the cinematographer, and I'm I'm not an expert in cinematography, but I know what I likes, and I like Deakins very much, and he makes films look fucking gorgeous. And Skyfall just is. I mean, you know that bit uh, when he's going to the casino in Macau. Uh, or and you got the sort of Chinese New Year stuff, and you yes, got the lanterns all the and light, everything. Yes, yeah, yeah. Him on that raft. That was shot in the Thames. Was it? Was it? Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> so that little bit was shot in the Thames. So the fact that they dressed it up and made it look like that, and it looks so sumptuous and rich. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's fantastic. How amazing is that? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, Skyfall. It's just. It's what. I wanted it to be in terms of it, it kind of, it's like it heard the criticisms of quantum of solace and, and took those forward. So we've got a bold bad guy uh, in, in silver uh, and Javier Bardem is great. 
mm-hmm. and you have you have these kind of really good things. I love the escalating chase at the beginning. Just the fact that it goes from sort of a car chase to uh, bikes to the train. I like uh, Daniel Craig's stony face during the car chase when Naomi House is driving, smashing the windows off. He just kind of sits there like nothing's happening. Yeah. It's got a really, uh, I think, one of the worst pieces of product placement in James Bond is the bit in the digger where he changes, um, well, where his watch changes gear of, of the digger to move it forward. I have I I know people keep talking about that. I haven't noticed it the entire really? time. Yeah, it, I know I know that there are certain things. I did notice the Heineken logo in no, the sort of No, because I remember everyone complaining about the the Heineken the Heineken logo. Um well, it's he was, just because he was, it's because he was drinking not, that and not a martini and that people were really up in arms about it when when it was kind of announced. But you can't see the you've got it sort of like half turned away from the camera. He's just it looks much it's, more natural than the, yeah, the zoom it in, does. crash zoom onto the onto the watch. Yeah, no, they have um, even in the opening sequence with the Heineken thing, they they have some crates with Heineken on it uh, at the side, kind of strategically placed. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah, that. I mean, Bond has always been a corporate whore. I oh, mean, yeah, yeah. Not, you know, and and I still, I still haven't noticed that sequence. I'm sure I look at it, but it's him changing gears. I know it's the watch, but you know, that's just. That's I think it's possibly it worse than the conversation with Vespa on the train about is that a, is that a Rolex? No, it's Amiga. I don't mind that either. They're ridiculously expensive for what they are. They are status symbols. I, I, maybe maybe I'm just kind of beaten into submission. These movies, I barely notice the product placement anymore, and it is everywhere. But yeah, so the escalating chase. I love the the digger and putting the the sort of bucket down and ripping the train, jumping off, fixing his cuffs. That's brilliant. It's such a great Bond moment. Mm. Oh, love it. And 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 then him taking a, a crazy, crazy dive off the top of the train. He's the second Bond film in which he gets a bullet wound. Yes. Thunderball was the other one. Yes. And his fellow agent Eve shot him. Well, now, under, yeah. Yeah, under M's kind of thing. Take the bloody shot. Watching it again, what I like is the, the very opening scene is when he comes across... The, the agent who's been shot and he's trying to save him and, and the M tells him to, to leave it alone. Mm. Leave him alone. So it kind of is seeded that she'll sacrifice any agent just to get to the mission. And she's great. And I like the fact well, that she's, it's a more she's the main story. Bond. She's yeah. the main Bond girl in this one, isn't she? Yeah, for sure. Do you know, she's in this film for, she has more screen time in this one than Desmond Llewellyn did in all his films as Q together. Oh, Jesus, I didn't know that. That's... So she's the longest uh, return in terms of screen time, the the most re- uh, returning character other than Bond. Yeah, you can just it. Do you know what I found sad as well is the fact that we learned that her husband died between movies. Yes, yeah. It's not. It's not kind of. They don't put too much of a point on it. But like in Casino Royale, she's clearly next to someone who I assume is her husband. Yeah. And then yeah, later she says about her husband passing liking away. Liking poetry. Yeah. Yeah, and, and liking poetry. So, yeah, that's 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 a sad little detail. Well, um, she does get a bit of. Um, uh, I think a bit of a romance with Kincaid. Yes, we'll, we'll talk about him okay. in a bit because we we are we, and it's my fault, but we're skipping yeah, over sorry. a bunch of stuff. Okay, so uh, so following Bond being shot, he's uh, recuperating. Well, then... I, well, well oh. title sequence, mate. Title oh, sequence. yeah, sorry, Adele's song. We're talking about that. 
Earth now, the sky fall. Yeah, <laughs> it does remind me a little bit, and it always has done. You know, on Shooting Stars, Vic Reeves used to do songs in a club style. Yep. Skyfall would translate really well. Let me stay when it's gone boom. <laughs> you know, that... I, I feel the visuals spoil the uh, what does Skyfall mean, because there's a bit... So you jump slightly ahead. Sorry, Ben. That um, oh, I don't get like when, that. I just wanted to talk about the title sequence because it's so great. When Bond is being psychologically assessed and they do the word association game and they say Skyfall and he storms up and walks out because what could Skyfall mean? It means a house. They showed it in the opening titles. Every time she said Skyfall, it showed a house. Yeah. I know, but you don't know if that's Bond's house. But you know it's a house. You know that he's crossed about a house. Yeah. Maybe it was like a first-time buyer and it fell through. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I mean, it, but that that title sequence is really good. And, and my it's boy... It's good. It feels Biden's more like old, back. old Bond. Yeah. Yeah, like that's the thing. They've pre, got rid of... Pre-Daniel Craig Bond. The, the, the student that did the title sequence for Quantum of Solace and they got Daniel Kleiman back. Um, so I think I think both the, the visuals and the song feel more like pre-Daniel Craig Bond. I mean, Skyfall is a great song, but it, it does feel like, I mean, it's classy, but it doesn't, I guess it doesn't feel as scrappy as the first two ones. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I think people, because Bond is an institution, been around for so long, so people have kind of weird expectations for certain things. People go, oh, who's going to do the song? They kind of sort of fan cast the artist who's going to do the title song. And people Adele do, like, was always a front- songs. Yeah. Like Radiohead did a song at one point, didn't they? They yeah. used a song they said they could use and yeah. Yeah, I mean that's that's the power of the the Bond series, and I mean interestingly enough, actually, Quantum of Solace had one done by Shirley Bassey that they didn't use, and a lot of that is worked into the score rather than Another Way to Die. You don't get too much of that in the actual okay. score for Quantum of Solace. So yeah, so they had this thing, but people kind of associate, you know, when they think of Bond, and you can't blame them, but they think of the Goldfinger theme. They think of you know. Diamonds are forever, and obviously Shirley Bassey. You, you need you need a dame with a big voice, um, and so yeah, Dell was like the front runner, and it was kind of an obvious choice, but mm, yeah. obvious in the way that it does work. It's I think it's an all time Bond song, but it's not my favorite. You know my name is my favorite, but it is a fantastic track, and I love it. Married with the visuals and everything, it all works. It's all brilliant, despite the house name spoiler. It's really really fantastic. We're done with the title sequence now. It's over. Okay, so Bond is seen as un or for, uh, being presumed dead, and then comes back to the UK after MI6 is blown up, and has to re-enlist and sort of pass a medical and he looks haggard and you know there's so much uh, so many conversations about him sort of being you know dinosaur and over the hill and out of it there's when the first time you meet uh, Q played amazingly by Ben Wishaw not mm. as in amazing that he played him that he plays him really well he um, does they meet in an art gallery and they're sat in front of a uh, of like an old uh, battleship being towed off to be broken up like Bond, and you've got the contrast between how old you know Bond is and how young Q is. Yes, I, th- I think Ben Wishaw is great, and I, I love the whole. Um, you know, we're expecting ex- uh, an exploding pen. We don't really do that anymore. Yes, yeah. It, I mean, I, he definitely looks. He looks so when he turns up at M's place, and he's clearly drunk and haggard and everything. He's got bloodshot eyes. You just want to sort of take him out the back and shoot him. He, he looks rough. 
it, it was always odd to me that Casino Royale was his first mission, then Quantum of Solace is the direct sequel happening just yep. after after Casino Royale, and then now he's old and busted. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I just I, I feel like we should have had a few in between ones where he's actually like in his prime. Him going to the sort of new MI6 base, I always liked that in the old Bonds where they would have the sort of impromptu uh, MI6 offices in different weird places, and 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 this being one of them, I was like, oh, this is, this is cool. And yeah, the 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 physical and, and mental kind of tests he has to go through to be fit for the job, uh, and the revelation therein is interesting, is very very interesting. And there's one detail I really really love about the movie so obviously you get the reveal that bond didn't pass his physical or psychological evaluations yeah yeah and he's he's there at m's discretion yes and bond not being able to shoot straight anymore is a plot point i love it when bond goes back to his home and he gets his aim back by using his father's hunting rifle that's when his aim comes back that's such a lovely detail. Okay. I, I want to kiss the scriptwriter who put that in. And that's a real offer. Uh, ben at the popcornbucket.com. Uh, just shoot me an email and we'll hammer out some sort of plan. Because that is genius work. Daniel Craig is, is, is incredibly comfortable as Bond now. So he can, he can take it to the sort of nth degree. Oh, I, th- mm. I, th- I think he said that... After Casino Royale, he really felt the pressure of what it meant to be Bond, which he didn't necessarily feel before he filmed Casino Royale, filming Casino Royale. So that is one of the things he said feels contrary to how bad Quantum was, was that he he wasn't his best because he felt all this pressure of of playing Bond, whereas I guess he's over it for this. Mm. Well, yeah, I mean, a lot of people uh, say that sort of Connery hit his peak with Goldfinger. You know, you have Dr. No and Frush will love a great, but Goldfinger is where they, they it kind of all came together, and I think I think Skyfall really is Craig's Goldfinger. You know, it's it's that it's that thing where just all the elements sort of mesh together nicely, and uh, and it really works. I think Ralph Ra- finds is excellent as Mallory. Yeah, I I think they they do a good job. I'm we're just so used to him being like a sneering bad guy. Yeah, it's nice that he's actually turns out to be on the level. Well, he start. I mean, you, you meant to think he's a bit of a bad guy, yeah. there, kind of to to sort of the, to bring down or to take over or shut yeah. the uh, double O program down. Yeah, but you find out that he really is on their side. I like how nearly all the Bond films have a thing where they sort of have sort of a meta narrative where they're trying to justify the double O program in today's modern world. Yes, there are so many movies where they have that sort of thing. Where, and I tell you what, guess which side they always land on. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, he's he's a, he's an he's an old school because obviously, okay, let's 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 get this other way. So so, Judy Dench's M dies, yep. and it's uh, it's a it's a powerful powerful moment. I I really felt that she'd been part of the Bond franchise for so long, been in it more than Desmond Llewellyn. Yep. Just in the uh, film. Yeah. So, you know, she she really, really was amazing. And and it I was properly sad to see her go. I knew I knew she couldn't be M forever, but I wanted her to be. Uh but it yeah, that and, and it feels this is the her sort of 
mistakes coming back to haunt her and silver being like a weird illegitimate son you know that she she made mistakes with and again like a reflection of bond in the sort of the the, the different ways again like a a dark mirror where he could have gone had he not kind of decided to, to fight for queen and country well it's interesting as well that that silver's beef is with m not with bond it's not a personal thing you yeah. know it's not someone from bond's past some bond's never heard of him it's someone from m's past yeah yeah it is interesting and yeah and i i'd like when uh silver is properly introduced i like his whole speech about the rats it's such a great entrance that it's like a he's, he's really slow walk to camera as he's yeah. doing this i mean it's up there with um the joker in um in the dark knight well, I def yeah, I definitely think so, and and there's definitely an influence of that because yeah. uh, his whole plan involves getting caught on purpose and and things like that. So so there there is an influence there, but uh, yeah, that that static shot sort of over Bond's shoulder, if I remember correctly, kind of looking, and you got the the lift coming down, and then him walking slowly, and it's such it's such a classic Bond villain monologue. Yeah, it, it, it everything about it works, and I like the fact that they come back to it as well with the the sort of rat thing. Last rat standing. Yes, them being them being the only two survivors of uh, a brutal regime, the rats that eat other rats. So yeah, it, and it's kind of a, it's along the lines of uh, Clive Owen in uh, Born Identity of look what they make you give. Yeah, well, yeah, pretty much. It's the first Bond villain to mine Bitcoin. <laughs> I assume that's what they were doing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that's exactly what he was doing. And I, lo I love the fact he gazed Bond up a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it, it, the Bond series has a, a, an unfortunate legacy when it comes to LGBTQ characters. But I like the fact that, you know, he's, he's, trying, to, he's trying to kind of ruffle Bond's feathers a little bit by sort of gaying him up. And Bond says, what makes you think this is my first time? He's just an equal opportunity slot, is old Bond. I like that. One thing that strikes me is that... <laughs> You're not going to uh, comment on that? When the train falls through the oh, ceiling, God. yeah, and because they keep saying about how busy the underground is because it's rush hour, it's lucky that it's the one train in rush hour that's completely empty. So when the Aston Martin <laughs> makes a return, <laughs> is this the one he won in poker in Casino Royale? I, I think so. I think so. Yeah, well, that whole thing. So, so obviously, there's plot to kill M, blah, blah, blah. They get out. They go to Scotland. Not Wales. Not Wales. Not at all. Because originally, they were going to film um, in the Bracken Beacons, but I believe it was leaked to the media, so then they said, oh, I'll film Scotland. Mm. That might be nonsense, but that's kind of how I remember it at the time. Well, I mean, I know that the sort of bits of Bond's history that they have had, they kind of did mine in this movie with the sort of parents dying in a climbing accident and and them having a house i don't know if it was called skyfall um but but yeah i i love the fact bond going back to his roots as i said the the uh the brilliant thing with the getting his aim back with his father's hunting rifle and and sort of he's returning to his roots and sort of facing something that he hadn't dealt with um, and he has to sort of reset to get back to the whole thing and, and protect M at the same time. And we're introduced to uh, Albert Finney's Kincaid, who may be my favourite character in the movie. Even though we're introduced to him super late in proceedings, he's brilliant. Hmm. 
And apparently it was meant to be Sean Connery. Well, they said they briefly considered it. Yeah. But they felt it would have been too I, jarring. That would have been way too distracting. Hmm. Albert Finney crushes it. And uh, I love that Bond is telling him that it's not his fight. That he doesn't have to stay and fight. And he says, try and stop me, you jumped up little shit. <laughs> <laughs> I love the game in the house ready and sort of the, the whole house under siege is, is, is fantastic. It's quite a small scale uh, finale for Bond from really. Well, yeah, it, it kind of, it kind of focuses on the personal stakes more. Yeah. You know, the, the, the goons get, I mean, even though we do have a sequence where, where silver's in a helicopter, just raining fire down on, on the actual house. Uh, yeah. Well, someone's it, bought that house. I do feel sorry for the person. Who's, I was oh. thinking that actually, I was thinking that, that they are going to be pissed. Hopefully they got insurance, but yeah, I, they probably didn't. It's interesting. It is small scale. And I like the fact it's it's sort of like Home Alone, but much nastier. Because while Home Alone was nasty in places, let's not forget, uh, they didn't go quite this nasty with sort of shotgun shells and everything. As far as I remember, maybe there's a director's cut out there that sort of proves me wrong. But uh, yeah, it, it's it's good. It's really really good, and the. Oh, I love the sort of misty moors and the house of flame, the, that sort of lighting and everything. I've told like you when he's how at, good this movie looks. When uh, when Bond is under the ice and you've got the kind of the the, the fire seen through the ice, it's, yeah, it's quite a nice shot. Oh, the whole thing fucking rocks. And I like the fact that they sort of it the the action ends in that chapel. Well, just before that, I mean, oh, there is a bit where M is, you know, head spy. Kincaid is a groundskeeper. Neither one of them would have used a torch across the board because she would have known it would give them away and he would have known the area pretty well. Quite possibly. I know it's movie logic, but Yeah. Uh, yeah, there needed to be there needed to be something because if 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 uh Silver had just spotted the chapel on the kind of hill there and gone, I bet they're there. People have been going. What, what? Why? Why does he think that? It's cool that it ends that thing. It, it ends where Bond's parents are buried, and he kind of basically has to bury another parent. Yeah, you uh, got. She's got. You know that she does have a nice death scene. Actually, I, I appreciate that Silver's death isn't drawn out. That Bond throws a knife in his back. He turns around and screams at him, and then there isn't the villain comes back up again. Yeah. Well, it, I like the fact that Silver's just sort of wants to kind of close the loop. He just wants to. He just needs M to be dead, and he and and himself. Like it's just like take us both out with one bullet. Like he's still got those sort of weird mother issues and everything. And I like the fact that he seems annoyed that he's got a knife in his back yes. like oh like you know and and that that makes him fascinating he is a fascinating villain but mm. yeah they they don't they don't do the fake out thing he he is straight up dead and then you got the uh sort of the nice scene of bond or i say nice but you know bond cradling m's body and then you pan back to see that at the same time the silver's just lying there alone yeah i know as sad as it is i i do I do like that whole thing, and I like the fact that she leaves him the uh, tacky China dog, which apparently featured in Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Yeah, and apparently I, I've seen it on the Bond site. It's retailing for about 130 quid. Wow, well, it was a real thing that was made during the war. Yeah, during World War Two. Yeah, I mean, I want one, but only for kitsch value, and I don't have 130 notes to spend on something that is intentionally kind of shit. 
So that's why you're setting up a GoFundMe page. Yeah, exactly. Uh, also, Ben at thepopcornbucket.com, if you email me, um, you know, maybe we can sort out a cash for nude situation. Um, yeah. And then the final end of the film, um, I mean, it's lucky that, they were, that Mallory's name begins with M because that's what they said, because there's a line of Casino Royale where um, Bond says, I thought M was just a, a, a randomly assigned letter I had no idea it stood for. So then obviously anyone has to be in charge of MI6 has to begin with M. Well, I've, yeah, the weird thing is, I think in this sort of more recent novels or some kind of thing, I, and I don't know where I got this from, but M's real name is meant to be Barbara Maudsley. Okay. I think so that would make sense. So, yeah, so Mallory becomes the new M, and he is, he is an old school M in the sort of Bernard Lee, Robert Brown kind of vein. Uh, and and he's great, and it does feel it does feel that they've set up their entire chessboard by the end of the movie, doesn't it? Like you got Money Penny outside, you got M in his office, you've got Q, Q, you got everyone. Well, also in uh, in M's office, um, there's another painting of a ship, but the last one was sort of being taken out to for scrap because it was past it. This one is a warship in all its glory. Oh, I didn't because, see that because that's, Bond is back. That's fantastic. There is also a scene where uh, where Mallory points at him wrestling a bull, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he said it's a metaphor, but, but it that actually, actually happened. happened. That is uh, a great call, Mark. Thank you. <laughs> no, I didn't notice the 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 warship painting. That's great. I wonder if that was the same dude who I want to kiss for uh, the the gun stuff. So yeah, it, it's Skyfall rocks, and for the yin, there must also be the yang for the good. Bond film, there must also so, be the bad. So for the final point part of the, this episode or this part of the uh, James Bond Spectacular, Spectre 2015 Spectre, released in 2015 directed by Sam Mendes again, written by John Logan, Neil Purvis, Robert Wade and Jez Butterworth, music by Thomas Newman starring Christoph Waltz, Leia Sidhu Dave Bautista and Monica Bellucci and the plot from the back of the DVD, hooray for physical media is no, that's Skyfall. Sorry. <laughs> you had one job. Yeah. A cryptic message from the past send, sends James Bond, Daniel Craig, on a rogue mission to Mexico City and eventually Rome, where he meets Lucia Schiara, Monica Bellucci, the beautiful and forbidden widow of an infamous criminal. Bond infiltrates a secret meeting and uncovers the existence of this sinner organisation known as Spectre, because now they've got the rights. Meanwhile, back in London, Max Denby, Andrew Scott, the new head of the Centre for National Security, questions Bond's actions and challenges the relevance of MI6, again, led by M. Ralph Fiennes. Bond covertly enlists Moneypenny, Naomi Harris and Q, Ben Whishaw, to help and seek out Madeleine Swan, Leah Sidhu, the daughter of his old nemesis, Mr. White, who we haven't mentioned up to this point, played by Jesper oh, Christensen. I tell you, he is really, hold, really good. Who, he is. Who may hold the clue to untangling the web of Spectre. As the daughter of an assassin, she understands Bond in a way most others cannot. As Bond ventures towards the heart of Spectre, he learns of a chilling connection between himself and the enemy he seeks, played by Chris, Christoph Waltz. Yeah. Yeah, Mr. White is interesting as the sort of overarching sort of link between the, the things. What I find interesting is that uh, Jesper Christensen is Danish, I believe. Okay. Um, but there's a bit in Quantum of Solace where he talks about, you have no idea about us, and he sounds like he's from Yorkshire. I yes, will put, he does. Yes, I will do, yes. put a little, uh, little audio clip from 
quantum in here so you can hear because i was like oh he's just from the north of england he's not and i don't yeah. that's not intentional and they don't have that accent before it's just that little bit and it's it's yeah. really odd to me you really don't know anything about us it's so amusing because we are on the other side thinking oh the mi6 the cia they're looking over our shoulders they're listening to our conversations and the truth is you don't even know we exist so Spectre. So the opening is, is it's the first one to open with the gun barrel. First Craig, uh, the, the the gun barrel scene. Yeah. First Daniel Craig one too, and then, then it starts with the dead are alive, which is very Star Wars nine. Yes, um, the dead speak. Yes, I don't mind the Mexico bit. I mean, I like the fact that it's sort of filmed, you know, shown as one take. It isn't, you know, but it, it looks like it's one one whole take from one swooping shot. Mm. Like through through the uh, the Day of the Dead parade, which wasn't actually a thing apparently, because most Day of the Dead celebrations, I believe, um, tend to be much smaller. But following Spectre um, in Mexico City, they did put on a Day of the Dead parade the following year using actual stuff from the movie. Mm. I don't think well, they're still going they, on. Yeah, apparently they still do it. Okay, it's the, it's the James Bond effect, man. Um, so yeah, I, I like the whole Mexico sequence. Uh, the helicopter f- fight is good. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think the visuals for the oh, actually, sorry, I'll, I'll end up describing the whole film. Um, I, I don't mind Spectre. I think it really falls down in the last half hour or so, irredeemably so. Um, and I think it kind of spoils the rest of the film. I don't like the retrofitting of Silver. Is just another, I mean the the thing with Quantum. Oh, it's actually Spectre. It's just a different branch. It's a bit silly. Um, but it is because they got the rights back to Spectre. Because they didn't, they didn't need it. I mean, I know there's familiarity from the Sean Connery uh, bonds, but they didn't necessarily need it. Um, I don't, I don't like Silver being retconned as oh, he's just another agent because it kind of takes away from Skyfall being this personal thing with him and M. Not yeah. he was acting under someone else's orders. Um, but the the stuff with Christoph Waltz, I mean, because this would have been after Star Trek after. Um, the Wrath of Khan 2, whatever that Star Trek film is called, Into Darkness. Into Darkness, yeah. And with people that. were already saying the same that they did with, with Khan in that. that. Yeah, they that's were, what I mean. That. They were totally saying, and they were like, no, no, it's Franz Oberhauser. And Who is apparently the character in the um, in the Fleming books and is James Bond's uh, stepbrother or, you know, yeah. of sorts. But no, um, they do the most obvious thing possible. But it does, it, but there's, you know, he says, uh, I mean, Christopher Waltz is he's a good villain in you know in other things he's played a villain, um, but he there's no need for him to be related to him because it's not been shown. There's no need for him to have been behind everything because it's never there's never been a hint that there was someone else other than Mister White. It's no. Just a, it, well, the reveal of Blofeld is just for the audience. Like yeah, yeah. we know, we know what that means because we know that that's the, he's the sort of iconic Bond. But bad only guy. if you've seen all twenty-two uh, yeah, well, yeah. films, it, it, it doesn't mean anything if you've only ever watched no. Daniel Craig films. There's and been it, no mention of him. Yeah, it ever doesn't having it an doesn't adoptive mean family. Anything to Bond? It doesn't. It and him. Yeah, him being sort of a strange brother and the sort of cuckoo kind of. Would have been fine if they'd had a flashback or if there'd been something. Yeah. If, if maybe in Casino Royale, I mean, obviously they can't plan it that far back, but in Casino Royale, where, where um, Vesper says about you, you know, you're from money, but because of someone else, if he'd said something like, you know, like, or when they'd say that he's an orphan, if he, he said, but I grew up with someone else who, you know, 
who also died in a skiing accident. Mm. It's just, it, it just doesn't mean anything when, when Blofeld says, you know, I'm Blofeld and I've done all this. He's like, yeah, but. Did, it, you, did you write the script? Because that's almost verbatim what he says in the movie. It, I'm Blofeld much, and I've done all this. It, it pretty <laughs> much is. I'm the author of your pain. It is pretty much. Oh, God, I know. Well, that whole thing. I mean, and also, I mean, clearly a lot of effort went into making the bombed out MI6 kind of like he it, it, it clearly took some time putting up all that string. But yes. and all the photocopying pictures of people. I like the fact that pictures. I like the fact I mean, that they just ignore quantum solace. Yeah, I know, and it it oh, it's just it's bad, bad, bad. I this, I I just with with Spectre, like I agree with you. I think the Mexico City stuff is fine. I actually don't like the helicopter thing. I think it's it's it it's on paper it's exciting, hmm. but for some reason the way it's shot or whatever, it just doesn't it feels like old school Bond and not in a good way. It feels like the sort of thing where you have the shot kind of way out so you can't see the stuntmen's faces when they're actually doing the fight on the side of the copter. And then inside you have the sort of green screen thing. I mean, obviously they can't dangle Daniel Craig out out of a helicopter without some precautions and everything. But it's like the whole point of this Bond is that he is more physical. And and that sort of helicopter nonsense is is... Oh, I don't know. I just because yeah, the 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 cool the cool one the cool like tracking shot is and it is cool, and the whole I like the whole skeleton suit look as well that he has. And, well, and he's pretty wordless, isn't he, Craig, throughout the opening sequence? Yeah, and he just he casually walks along the edge of that really tall building. Yeah. yeah, you know. But I knew it went wrong. I could pinpoint the moment it went wrong for me, and it's when he lands on a fucking sofa. Okay, because the building blows up it sort of comes towards him and it crashes down or whatever and he gets no injuries from that he walks away unscathed and and it's due to dumb luck and he's more like jack sparrow than james bond at that point for me i know it's a little gag like oh and and it would make sense because it's a house that's collapsed but no no that that was i i knew something was off from that from that point i was like okay that that's that's kind of i don't like it when it sort of just it immediately dives back into the sort of cliches like i'm glad that it's kept some of the stuff like money penny and m and 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 there are certain hallmarks obviously the bond theme being one of them and the gun barrel and everything but we don't have to just do the same shit over and over and over again well on a, on a related note to that um in the previous film when they introduced q and they said you know we don't do the gadgets anymore and in this one, they all of a sudden they do again. Yeah, they have a gadget car. Yeah, I do like the car chase um, between uh, James Bond and Dave Bautista. Mm. Um, I thought it was decent, but most importantly, and this is a flashback to, um, I think one of our many unaired pilots. The cars go down steps, and I love a car chase with cars going down steps. And I wrote, I wrote down steps about time in capitals. They go down steps. <laughs> I was so, so pleased. Yes, they do. They have a car chase that goes down steps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, but that whole that whole car scene, it, it's like, and I'm I'm I want to no, I I am a fan of the older Bond movies. Like I just, I, I you know, because I do sound like I just want the Craig things to be separate and not do some of the Bond. Well, I, think, I, think I, the older, I think the older Bond films make you appreciate the Craig ones more. 
Yeah, in ways I think I think quite a few of them hold up as their own thing, and I think other things can be excused because of the time they are, so the kind of goofy humor and things like that. But the sort of in that car chase where you have that weird dude singing along to uh, the radio or whatever, and then then he has that whole thing that that feels like classic shit Bond to me. That that okay. feels like a a bit f- from a Roger Moore chase scene and some people will love that some people like the uh oh look how funny foreigners are and bond messes with them somehow people love that but uh Mm. not not for me so uh, it just it hurts me because they had a semi-cool concept the fact that you know bringing back spectre yeah they didn't need to bring back spectre as a thing but people know it so you know whatever also can we talk about the fucking shitmongers theme i don't think it's as bad as i mean it won an oscar um i, I know it did and that's a travesty as, i don't think it's as bad as people have sort of you're wrong it's said. a war crime um because <laughs> i mean it is it, it's a much less ver- good version of um of Skyfall. Someone said it at the time. I remember seeing something like it was like someone had trained to goose the Skyfall thing and give it an orchestra. <laughs> okay, well, that, that's a little too harsh, even by my standards. It, it does sound a bit like Earth Song in places, it does. which I think, although you know, he was right about the Earth and it did sort of set back environmental causes by about 20 years. Mm. Yeah, I just, I. I, I even with the title sequence, and it's my boy Kleinman, um, but it just it feels that there are bits that I like. I like the sort of skull imagery coming up again, but the sort of octopus that as oh yeah, yeah, yeah you know, yeah. but like it just it does these the the actual kind of thing, and it I get it's octopus. They're meant to have arms everywhere. That's the whole point. They sort of they are everywhere, and 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 that's that's why. But it's just. I, I get frustrated because there are so many dumb plot points in this movie. Like, why the Christ do they have the DNA of the Spectre members in a ring? What is that all about? Yeah. It makes no sense. I like the laptop. All. I like that he's got stickers over it. That felt kind of yeah. real. <laughs> well, yeah, and I like the fact I, I like the fact you get more banter with Q, and, I, and Q is great. And yes. I like the fact that, you know, he... Uh, when he notices the car has gone missing, the oh shit is you feel that <laughs> you do you do feel that you you have Dave Batista who I love very much he's brilliant but not he's not really given too much to do other than being a physical presence which obviously he does very well. Well, that was quite like um, Jaws from the earlier films, wasn't it? Yeah, and the only I think the only decent action sequence in this movie is the train fight between him and Bond and the cars going down the steps. No, that's rubbish because it has a funny foreigner in it. Oh, okay. <laughs> Rob, there's there are definitive right answers to these things, and they just happen to be the ones that I agree with. So, <laughs> cross that off. Cross off cars going down steps. Yep. Finally, cross it off. I know it's all in caps and everything, but cross it out because it's moot. No, it's bad. Thank you. You know, just remember who I, I'm the architect of your pain, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> you got Andrew Scott as a as clearly a bad guy from the very beginning. Yeah, they love I, that C joke, don't they? I, I I think they spoil it at the end when um, Mallory says, "Now we know what C stands for." Yeah, you know, careless. Careless. You know, yeah. They should just they should have just left it. 
They, he should have just said cunt <laughs> and then punted him out the window <laughs> <laughs> and looked down at him and said, stitch that, you prick. Uh, yeah, I just, but but that's it. Maybe you so take many... the popcorns on and, and blow that out. <laughs> oh my pop pop pop! No, I'm not. No, I'm not going to. I'm. It, it, it's uncensored, raw and uncensored. Bigger, longer, and uncut, baby. There are so many missed opportunities. Christoph Waltz is fantastic, but he just doesn't seem to really shine unless it's a Tarantino movie. It's annoying as well to keep him in shadow because why? He knows it's clearly yeah. him. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and and I like the sort of weird stuff, but it, it that he gets to sort of say, and and the sort of blowfelt attire, but it's just it it just it's all noise. It's all just rubbish, and and I I want I I wanted to like this one because Skyfall was such a high, hmm. and Leia Sadu she's fine as Madeline Swan. She doesn't have the chemistry with Daniel Craig that Vesper did. No, and and that's. That's a problem when he basically spoilers, but he basically decides to retire with her at the end yeah. of the movie. You know, like this is the one that he's going to choose. Well, he decided to retire for Vesper and Casino Royale, and but that felt realistic, and you kind of believed it. Yeah, because he fell in love hard, and like it was like his his kind of first thing. And you, yeah, you could understand because it was Eva Green's Vesper, and she's awesome. But there's no there's no real spark between him and Madeline Swan, and it just I don't know. It just it it all felt too silly. It, it was like it was going. I mean, as I said, the train fight is great, but again, it's like the Bond films have been doing train fights for fucking ever since From Russia with Love and Red Grant, you know, and and they had. Uh, one or two fights with Jaws on the train. They also yeah. had a fight with Teehee in Live and Let Die because I remember the claw being stuck on the thing. I just, it just, I, I don't like it going back into old habits and 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 they're bad habits and and it's yeah uniquely annoying because it feels like Casino Royale and Skyfall were were confident strides into sort of setting up this new identity for this new take on Bond but it just seems that they just want to establish those things to get back to the same old Bond and I understand don't fuck with the formula and I understand that it's been popular for decades but there are ways to sort of tread between those two things you don't have to go too far one way or the other and I think both Casino Royale and Skyfall are proof of that people love those no matter if they're hardcore Bond fans or just more casual movie fans, they they're good movies, hmm. and they sort of tend to please everyone in terms of they have some of the classic Bond hallmarks. But Spectre is just it it's just and it has things like the fucking Blofeld when he's in the helicopter and Bond is shooting from a boat with a pistol and trying to take down the helicopter. It's it's too movie like. It's it, and I I don't want super realism from my Bond, but a bit of grittiness is is good, and I think with that comes comes a, a sort of weight of believability. And I know Bond is meant to be a good shot, but no, I'm not having any of that. Okay, a moving helicopter, a moving boat at night with a pistol. I mean, I don't know. It seems dumb to me, but then a lot of the movie is incredibly dumb to me, and I think they were too inspired by Marvel. They wanted they they wanted that continuity porn. They wanted that sort of thing where it all oh, it all ties together, and it's so unconvincing because 
the seeds weren't planted in no. the previous yeah. ones, yeah. you know? I mean, if it had been just another part of Quantum, but it's always kind of, I don't know, it was, yeah, yeah, it was just another section. I, I don't know. And the, the, I suppose he could have had Mr. White being the overall bad guy, which would have been all right. But yeah. Yeah. I, I think I probably like this more than you do. Um, there are elements of what I do. I think the Mexico bit is, is really good. There's elements I like. It, you know, it doesn't hit the heights of Casino Royale or, or, or Skyfall, but I, I, I do find any pretty much the, the brother reveal onwards just, uh, I don't know, it's sort of spoiled. And it kind of like we, when we were talking about Sunshine, that the, the sort of the last act of it isn't very good. Or the point kind where of, it becomes a slasher movie. Yeah. Um, but I can forgive that bit because the rest of the film was much better. And I, I don't think, I know people who who do feel it spoils the whole film, mm. but for me it doesn't. But for this, the sort of the Blofeld stuff really does overshadow the whole film and the sort of the, the, the trying to retrofit everything. It's, yeah, it's, in some ways it's kind of like Pirates of the Caribbean that they sort of try to force a trilogy out of the first film. By sort of taking lots of little throwaway lines and going, oh, well, we actually meant this. Yeah. Right. Oh, Monica Bellucci. We didn't mention her. An age-appropriate Bond woman. Yeah. That's cool. I mean, it's yeah. cool that they finally got her in there, but like the actual thing of Bond killing her husband and then then bedding her. Yeah, just, that felt a bit uncomfortable because it kind of felt it, like they'd gone beyond that. But yeah, exactly. And that this is what I feel about a lot of these things. It feels like they have sort of left those things behind, and then you have clear return to bad form and it, it it sucks it's become a bit trendy to bash spectre now but i remember at the time i was alone i with with my hatred for spectre hmm. i i went to see it with four other people and i was the only one the the self-confessed bond fan who didn't like it okay. they all loved it the, the bunch of the uh reviews were incredibly positive and blah 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 hmm. and people were talking about oh no it's great now in in a section we'll call something catchy like ben was right um <laughs> now people are hating on Spectre and like, oh, let's hope that you know No Time to Die corrects the 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 flaws of Spectre. I'm glad people have come around to it being shite now because I don't like isolating myself from the party, you know? I I I like I and I wanted to like it so much. I I I do want to like these things. As I said at the top of this, I think Daniel Craig is the best bond. I and I think it is it is fantastic to watch him be this character. Hmm. And just just having this movie and and ha and sort of play with these hallmarks and not do anything with them and sort of have this unconvincing overarching thing it's yeah it's just it's piss in a mug mate. Okay, so we seem to have a pattern with the uh, yeah. Daniel Craig Bond films of good, bad, good. Writings bad. on the wall, more like shitings on the balls. Okay, so we seem to have a pattern with the Daniel Craig James Bond films of good, bad, good, bad. Does No Time to Die break the pattern? Tune in Duh, next time nah. to find out. <laughs> That's it for this episode. Thank you very much for your time and thank you for listening. We'd love to have your feedback. Please email podcast at thepopcornbucket.com. You can find us on Instagram at popcornbucketpod or over on Twitter at popcornbucketpd. If you're able to, it'd be great if you can rate the episode wherever you listen to your podcasts and subscribe and share. Thank you so much to Lawrence Owen of Longcat Media for the theme music. Many thanks, take care, and see you next episode. What he said.